<laughs> we have been born, born as, as Nephi, Nephi of old. Oh, it's so triggering. You keep going. Parents. I don't want to keep going. Oh my That's enough. God. We were trying to think of a song and I said, let's sing the armies of Helaman. Oh. And here we are. We are as... You guys, I never, never once jerked off to the poster of the Armies of Helaman. (laughs) JK, I totally did. Anyway. (laughs) Hey, you guys, it's season two. Season two, and we are kicking it off old school with a top five. With a top five. With an aggressive top five that's going to make you feel some things right in your your feeler. Which is your groin. Which is your groin. Yeah. Uh, I am Brother Jack Coffey. I am Sister Latter-day Twain. I am a former Mormon. I am a faggot. I was married to a straight woman. And now I'm not. I'm a former Mormon. I'm still a faggot. I'm not a Mormon or married to a straight woman. I'm a former Mormon, and I am heteroromantic. Heteroromantic. And uh, uh, I prefer the dick, but I sure do love the pussy. It's fair. It's fair. It's a fair assessment. um, I was also in a mixed orientation marriage, but I was a straight spouse. Right. And what was the last part of you? What were you said that you're not married to that straight spot? No. That, uh, okay. That I'm neither uh, yeah. of the. I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, anyway. So. So this is our our little our little podcast. It's called Hot Drinks. Hot Drinks, which is uh, a spin on the clause in the Word of Wisdom, the the phrase, the the portion of the Word of Wisdom, which is in the Mormon Scripture Canon, the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh. Which says hot drinks are not for the belly. I really, in my mind, feel like it says hot drinks are not for the belly. It doesn't? <laughs> no. Why do we call it hot drinks then? Where did that come from? So we, I'm sure we talked about this in our um, white podcast meeting before we ever yes. started. Yes, Which is like, I like it because it sounds like hot drinks. And everyone who's Mormon hears hot drinks and thinks hot drinks are not for the belly. Right, right, right. Um, but... We change it to an A to drinks, which means alcoholic drinks. Oh, okay. And so we're just okay. covering the whole gamut. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. <laughs> and and when we use slang, it shows everyone how relevant we we're are. We're young and hip. Yeah. We're young and hip. So Hot Drinks is a podcast that we started 20, low these 25 episodes ago. Oh, my God. To talk about our mixed orientation marriages. We talk about sex. We talk about parenting, but not in a cutesy way, like parenting.com. We talk about pop culture. We talk about pop culture. We talk about Mormonism. We talk about rimming. What else do we talk about? <laughs> I was going to say masturbation. We talk about masturbation. But I think sex covers all those we things. We do. We do. It is included yeah. in that umbrella. We talk about our favorite drinks, and we talk about what we're drinking as we're recording. Although we did do an episode about our favorite drinks, and everyone was like, this episode's this boring. boring. Well, fuck you guys. Well, and they no, can't all be gems. And no one was whiny like that, except for my sister. They can't all be gems, you guys. Guys, this is not easy what we're doing. <laughs> Jesus. This is so hard. I was at a party last night. Right. And most of the people at this party, it was this weird like community up in, in the mountains in Hobble Creek Canyon. Uh-huh. And um, not weird. It's not weird, but it's like this. There's all these cabins. A little are, tight-knit community. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they get together and drink like almost nightly and make <sighs> fires and oh shit. God, I love that. But anyway, a lot of the people there know about hot drinks. And we're like, oh, my God, it's Sister Twaint. And then one dude was like, so tell me about Twaint. Are you Sister Taint or Sister Twaint? And I'm like, no, Twaint. I would never name myself Sister Taint. I mean, that's obscene. <laughs> You're a Christian lady. And I'm just like, it's it's ain't, it's saint, it's twat. But, but the twat really came from me looking for a fun um, alias to have like a second Instagram? What do you call it when you have like a second? It's called a Finsta. Oh, okay. A fake Insta. Oh, a except Finsta. it was Twitter. Oh, a uh, uh, Twitter. I don't know. Right. And and I... An alt. It's called an alt. Oh, okay. My, In the gays, we call it the alt because it's where you post your horny pics. One of my on your alt. favorite Twitter accounts was, oh, no, she twittened. Oh, that's And I was one. like, I want something like that. And then I came up with Letter Day Twain. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And then I was like, that's who I can be on this podcast and talk about people coming on my eyelashes. Okay, I don't really have a story about why my name is Jack Coffee. Oh, you do because that was your alt. Well, so the real place that that name came from, which I don't think I've ever talked about in this podcast before, is do you remember? Do you know the app Whisper? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Whisper is an app where you can post secrets. Yeah. 
and people can respond to them. Yeah. And when I was very newly out, Whisper was somewhere where I would kind of post things that I was thinking about, about sexuality and being gay and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, when I was, when I signed up for a Whisper account, it like auto generated a name for me and it gave me the name Jack Coffee, which I thought was such a brilliant name. And I just adapted it. I just adapted it. And then, um, I made a, an alt, a fake Twitter using that name. Please don't try to follow me. It's just where I look at porn. It's just a porn alt. <laughs> I don't really post on it so much. It's more just where I... It, you follow. You, so I used to have a regular Twitter and then I had my alt Twitter so that I could just like, you know, when I wanted to just look at porn, I could get on my porn Twitter. But now um, I don't really have a regular Twitter anymore. So it's kind of my only Twitter. But I don't really post on it that often. Sometimes no, I do. No. Sometimes I post slutty pictures. So don't follow I it. I remember the first time you told me about it. I don't know if it was you or me who made the correlation that it sounds like Jack Offie. Right. I mean, that's what's so great about it because right. it's like about coffee, which we love. Uh-huh. It kind of sounds like Jacking Off, yeah. which is also great. You it's love just that. a great name. I love Jacking You love off. Jacking Off with your penis. I do. <laughs> More than I love being with a human male. <laughs> which you know if you've listened to even one episode of season one. I'm scared of human so males. So let's take a break and, and then tell them what our top five is. Or should we, we tell them our t- top do five? Do we have some women's work we need to cover? So women's work is what we call our housekeeping. That's when we talk about just some just some things we need to clean up a little bit for the for the pod. Oh, do we have any women's work? God. I do want to say so if you are a member of our Patreon, which is a way that you can help support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash hot drinks. If you are a member of our Patreon, we have posted a demitasse and we have posted a vlog. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know as a member if you get a notification that we've posted those. Like, do you get an email that says, hey, there's a new post on the Hot Drinks oh, Patreon. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, can but someone you, let us know? Will someone let us know? But if you're a member of our Patreon, uh, we have posted a demitas. We have posted a vlog, which is a us making our favorite cocktail for the fall called the Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. And for the top tier, the Glory of Gary members of the Patreon, we have sent you a little gift in the mail, which yes. should arrive to you shortly. Unless you live in Australia. And then it will arrive in three to four weeks. <laughs> Actually, it's two. But we have no control over that. So anyway, (laughs) so if you are a member of our Patreon, please be looking for those extra posts. And we're always trying to figure out the best way to get those to you. We just don't really know this internet thing real well. Yeah, we're figuring it out. So anyway, let's tell them what the topic is for season two. We wanted to start with a real real ball buster, a real meaty, a real slap your face with a big fat cock. (laughs) kind of episode. Yeah, I mean, it's not all the way hard, but hard enough. Like hard enough that it can make a slapping sound. Yeah, yeah. so chubby. Um, top five ways to untangle yourself from Mormonism. Goddamn. Because we're experts on that. We are. With our combined theater and creative writing degrees. Goddamn. We're going to we're gonna expert the shit out of this. So let's take a break, and then let's untangle you bitches from some Mormonism. <laughs> We're back. Oh, hey. So the reason that I wanted to write this topic, the reason that I thought of this topic, uh-huh. the top five ways to untangle, to untangle yourself from Mormonism yeah. is because one of the most surprising things about doing this podcast, I mean, we've said this a million times. We started this podcast because we thought it was funny. We enjoyed doing it. We felt like we had some things to say, but like we never really imagined that like people might listen. I mean, did you? Not to what we have, no. 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 So, but then we we have this wonderful audience of gentle, gentle listeners who we adore. And we get these messages from people that are so heartwarming that are like, I'm on my way out of the church or I left the church a couple years ago and you guys are really helping me deal with some issues or process through some things or whatever. Mm-hmm. With laughter and with, right. with some seriousness too. Right. And it always kind of blows my mind and kind of makes me laugh and kind of like just is so heartwarming to think that like we're doing something that is like helping people's lives. Who knew? I know. Australian gentle listener, we might flee the country and come live with you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) So, so I just thought this would be a really interesting thing to talk about because I know a lot of our gentle listeners are either newly out of Mormonism or kind of one foot in one foot out or whatever. So I just thought like we talked on uh, the breve about our Midsommar party. There was that one who'd been done for 25 years and was finding some catharsis in our 
in the crazy things which we is fucking crazy. So I just thought it would be helpful for us to share the things that we think are the best ways to sort of untangle that wicked web of Mormonism that's wrapped around your heart and your your right. sexual parts and all your stuff. So clarify, though, what you mean by untangled. Is this for someone who's who's having doubts or they've already decided they don't Could believe? Be I, I mean, I guess my answers are more for that person who decided they don't believe but doesn't know how to yeah. address that in the world. I would say that's okay. That's where I Great, then that's it. where we are. Okay. Great. So what's your number one? So I think that we're going to have a lot of similar ones. Let's find out. And that if I say one that's similar that that should be the one that you follow up. Okay, great. So we kind of keep it a flow. Yeah, let's do it. A flow. Thanks for giving me notes in the middle of recording the podcast, (laughs) Sister Twain. I appreciate it. We've only been doing this for 25 fucking episodes. I have some critiques about episode six. Should we cover those right now? Uh, Let's get into them. Yeah, I I would love to hear your Just kidding. I have no idea what episode six was. Um, Okay, my first... One. The first way to untangle yourself from Mormonism. From for, for my perspective, and, and I just wrote it down without even thinking, is you've got to talk about it. And you've got to find someone to talk about it with. Yes. Just at yes. least one person. If you haven't found that one person, then talk about with yourself in like writing. Okay. While you're driving, just do, just talk, just talk. But you've got to talk, that, talking about it, about where you're at and how you got where you're at, and about the confusing emotions that you're having right. is really the best way to start processing it, I think. Who was the person that you talked to when you were on your way out? Oof. Um, I tried to talk about it with my ex-husband, Gary, a lot. Because he, we were already divorced, and he had already left, but he did not process by talking about it. Okay, um, and made that very clear, and that's fine. Uh, I think he should. Side note, but uh, do you hear that, Gary? Get uh, your shit together. <laughs> um, that was a hard one for me. Okay, um, I, but that's something you wish you'd had. Because right. it would have made navigating but, that a lot but, easier. But I, but I talked about it regardless. I talked about it with people who were active and right. believers. And I talked about it with people who had left. Right. And I talked about people who were, who were kind of on the fence. Right. And uh, me allowing myself the, the space to talk about it with others, regardless of where those others were, just helped me to understand where I was, regardless of, of what they said back to me. Right. Right. You know, any type of advice or not, or just the fact that I had this person that was holding space for me. Right. And I was talking because I was holding space for myself. Right. Um, was so cathartic. So I talked to my ex-wife, Tisha, about it. Is it Tisha? Trisha? Tisha. God Tisha. damn it. I talked to Tisha about it because Tisha actually left the church before I did uh-huh. and had done a lot more research and a lot more was a lot, like, kind of understood the whole process a little bit better. Uh-huh. But the other person I talked to was my therapist. Um, I chose him 100% based on the fact that he was hot and that he was gay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was such a perfect therapist for me at the time because he had, he was gay, he had grown up Mormon, he had also been married before, he was also, he was now out, was, you know, so, like, had had a lot of similar kind of life experiences to me. Also, did I mention that he was really hot? I also talked with my therapist who had left. Was, was he hot? It was a woman. Was and, she hot? Um, I, I did, I was not attracted to her. Okay. But that doesn't mean she was unattractive. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, she had actually left the church just a couple years prior and so that was another really great way to to do the talking thing yeah and let me just put it out there if the person that you need to talk to is me or sister twain please message us oh yeah if you're if you are in a faith transition right now and you you can message us through the hot drinks instagram and then we will put you in touch with either one of our personal instagrams or give you our phone numbers or whatever but if you need someone to talk to we could be that person and i like how you brought up faith transition um, because when we talk about untangling, because you're going through this faith transition, you really come to realize as someone who was a true believing Mormon, that it's an identity transition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A little bit, a little bit deeper and more, and more tangled as it were. As it were. As it were. Uh, what's your number one? My number one is go buy some cute underwear. 
that's 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 kind of fast for some people. Well, I know it is, okay. but that's why like I'm here to push you a little bit. Like I oh. like I feel like all five of mine are gonna really. If you are like one foot in, one foot out, I am pushing you to make some decisions. Okay, cool. I think there are few things in Mormonism more insidious and more evil than the garment of the priesthood. Amen. To <laughs> because that. I think it disconnects you from your own body. Yes. It disconnects you from it disconnects you from feeling your body as a, as an entity, as a thing. Mm-hmm. It disconnects you from your sexuality. Uh-huh. It is all about... From whatever sort of, your sexuality it is. All, it is all about kind of like muddling and just... It's like makes you like a, like a Ken doll oh. or like a Barbie. You're I, just like... You're genderless. You're sexless. You have this white sheath over you and at all times. And it's a constant reminder of all these promises you made in the temple right. and at baptism. And if you slip up at all during the day, it's, it's, it's on you. You feel it. It's right. a reminder. Right. And you're like, fuck, I'm a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. So I remember when I took off my garments, it was because of a cute straight boy. It's a long conversation. <laughs> I won't tell that story now. I don't think that cute straight boy knows I'm the reason. He's the reason I took off my garments. But I put him in a little box and put him under my basement just in case. And then I found him like six months later, and I was like, "What the fuck? I'm never going to put these things the on again." I did the same thing. And that's fine if you need to put him in a little box in the basement. That's fine. But just go out and get some cute underwear. Like I wish we were sponsored by MeUndies because I would just tell you to like sign up for MeUndies. I have the cat print coming this month. I'm very excited about it. Oh They're very comfy. Yeah. Or go buy some like slutty underwear. You know, like whether you're a man or a woman, get a cute jock strap. Get some. What do what do uh, girls wear? That's like kind of slutty. Oh, slutty for girls. I mean, uh, but and when I say slutty, I I, I mean it in a really great oh, way. Oh, me too. There's I love nothing wrong with these. Like, I love a slut. Uh, maybe a thong. Maybe a thong. Yeah. Go get a thong. G-string. Um, but I really. But a thong will blow your mind i I want um to give the one of the best pieces of advice i got was from my sister okay sister twain sister sister vulva uh yeah different sister or sister vulva i I only have one sister oh sister vulva then it was sister thanks for not knowing me um (laughs) (laughs) anyway she said because she left the church before i did i i'm the oldest of three and was last to leave um she said believe it or not I have found a great variety of cute and sexy um, underwear. And I say underwear because I hate saying panties. At Target. Okay. And I still buy my cute, sexy underwear at Target. Great. To this day. And I just want to put a plug in for our, our female gentle listeners who may be married to a male gentle listener or not gentle listener. Yeah, yeah. Go buy your husband some cute underwear. I just think so many men are like, I'll just buy this like five pack of the oh, Gildan uh, briefs from oh, Costco. Right, right. You know, because it's eleven ninety nine for the five pack. Yeah. No. And I'm not saying you need to go buy like an Andrew Christian jock strap with like a thing up the butt and like two straps oh, and a no. flap. I mean, if you want to, <laughs> great. No. But just buy some like cute, comfy. Stylish. That fits well. Maybe you know, from the Gap. Maybe from the no one shops at the Gap anymore. Oh, oh, I what didn't. What are you, 100 years old? I, I haven't been to the Gap in a while. Um, I would say H&M has some really cute underwear. Okay. Target has some cute underwear for me. Oh, okay. But honestly, like, I really wish we were sponsored by MeUndies because I love my MeUndies. <laughs> I get a cute new pair every month. Aww. I can go with a basic, like if I want a solid black or a solid white, or I can get some unicorns or some cats. This month is cats. You guys, cat underwear. Oh and they're comfy and they're cute. But there is something about wearing actual grown-up underwear instead of weird Barbie and Ken sheath sure. things that cover you that make you feel and be in touch with your body in a totally different way. Yeah. And I know you said you're here to push our the gentle listeners who are on that like threshold right. to push them right out of it. But sometimes this super sexy underwear is is a, is not the first step. Right. That's fine. And, and it yeah, feels yeah, yeah. weird. No, yeah. And I right. feel like the first underwear I bought when I left the church was like quote unquote gay underwear. So it really was like these weird old jock straps with like different things and oh straps gosh. everywhere. It was our friend that took me to buy it. You know who I'm oh, talking about. Oh, I do. About. Anyway. <laughs> our friend that lives in Seattle. But then I was like, but then I never wear that stuff because that's just not me, you know? But yeah, I, yeah. But I love like, I love my cute, you know, MeUndies uh-huh. underwear. Anyway, men, MeUndies, if you want to sponsor us, please send us a message. But I wonder if our... If, if our listeners, especially the women, know that there are a lot of different kinds of underwear. There's not just like the briefs or 
we used to joke, and as Gen X, I don't know if they, they the kids do now, call them granny panties. Granny panties. Um, uh, there's not just like granny panties and, and thongs. They're cute hipsters. Those are right. my favorite. Right. Um, and then there are a lot of other different styles yeah. that you can find at Target. So go get some cute underwear. <laughs> and quit wearing those fucking garments because they're messing with your head. Yeah. Let's take a break. Bye. We're back. Okay, so <laughs> what's so, your so we're talking about the top five ways to untangle yourself from Mormonism, right? Oh, what's a tangled web? And Mormonism I, weaves. And I wonder if we'll get to this at all. Um, but like, it's harder to untangle when you live in Utah. I think. Yeah, that's real. That's um, real. We have a lot of gentle listeners who are exmos who don't live in Utah, and they have experienced a lot more um, just mental freedom yeah, yeah, yeah. of the, the mental uh, de- detanglement. Right. Anyway. Um, What's your number two? This is probably, <laughs> this is funny because of how you said you're just going to push them right out. But uh, mine is to be patient with yourself. Okay. And here's why I say that. And I, and that's, and that's for early on. Right. It's because there is a part of you early on that's like, I cannot do this anymore. That is just as loud as another part of you that is like, how can you experience a Sunday and not go to church? Yeah. My first few Sundays when I was in that space, when I didn't go to church, felt like a black hole. And then I knew I couldn't go to church to make myself feel better because it would be a different type of black hole. Right. So be patient with yourself. Time is so important. And be kind to yourself. It's so hard to be kind to yourself when you have that judgmental voice in your head that has been programmed into your head since birth when you're raised Mormon. But be kind to yourself. Um I, I, I don't have any good examples personally because I really went through it. The yeah. first year of me knowing that I was not a believer anymore was painful. It was yeah. excruciating because I didn't know who the fuck I was anymore. And it really did feel like a black hole. Yeah. Um, but you get through that. And just know that it doesn't mean you're broken and there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So be patient with yourself. And it, whatever it is you're allowing yourself to do during that, like, on the fence or transition period or however when you do it, if, it, if you're allowing yourself, you know, uh, caramel macchiato, be kind to yourself and go get some extra caramel macchiatos. Yeah. Like, whatever it is you're yeah. allowing... Um, if you need to find a spiritual place, make your Sundays a day where you're out hiking in nature. Right. Or um, if you still have an issue with doing anything on the Sabbath, and then don't do anything on the Sabbath. Make a spiritual place for you in your home. You know you can't go to church because you feel like shit. Right. But you're feeling like shit because you're not going to church. Create a new spiritual space for yourself. For me, it was going to the movies. Really? Yeah. So you would go to the movies on Sunday? I mean, it wasn't like ritualistic. Right. But um, I think the best part about it was that it was an escape. Yeah. A mental escape. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number two? Well, I'm going to change my number two because I want to talk similar to what you said. Okay. And one of my others that I had on my list was the feelings that you're feeling right now are fine. Yes. So you might be feeling elated that you don't have to go to church anymore. You might be feeling terrified. You might be feeling depressed. You might be feeling fucking angry. Mm -hmm. And all of those feelings are completely valid and completely okay. Yeah. They're okay. And I think one of the, one of the, uh, one of the real, I don't want to keep using the word insidious, but one of the real, so perfect. So (laughs) one of the real like twisted things that you're taught in Mormonism is that, um, any sort of negative feelings are wrong. You know, that that sadness comes from the devil. Anger comes from the devil. Right. That uh, all of those things come from the devil. And your job is to quickly shut those feelings off or 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 sing a, sing a hymn in your mind or whatever and get rid of those feelings and to feel happy and to feel good because those are the feelings that come from Jesus and from yeah. God or whatever. 
But what, but what we know as adults and real, real adult human beings is that sadness is okay and that anger is okay and that those emotions serve a per- purpose uh-huh. and that sometimes you've got to feel some real fucking angry anger to get through or to process through whatever it is that you're dealing with. Uh-huh. And sometimes you have things to be really angry about, uh-huh. you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I I mean, and I'm sure you can relate. I feel like I was emotionally abused by the church for 37 years, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And so I'm still angry about that. And yeah. I haven't been, I haven't gone to church for five years. Right. And there will always be those people that will be like, why can't you leave it alone? Why can't you, always. why Why are you, yeah, why, Cindy's, Cindy's here. Cindy's over in the corner doing a thumbs down to those people. <laughs> <laughs> but there are those people that were like, well, you've already left. Like, why can't you leave it alone? I can't leave it alone because I was hurt and abused by this organization for 35 years. I am full of fucking anger uh-huh. and I'm going to let that anger out. But also you might be depressed. Sure. You might feel lost. You might not feel any of those things and feel great. And then maybe have moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I feel bad for feeling great about right, this. Right, 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 right. Be again. Be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. All of those feelings are all real and valid. They're all real there and valid. There are no shoulds or shouldn'ts about leaving, no. because everyone's experience is completely individual. Yeah, we'll all have similarities. Right. Um. But your timeline, your range of emotions, it's it's just, uh, so personal. And it, and this is goes kind of goes back to why it's important to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, feel what you need to feel. Mm-hmm. It's all valid. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Sorry, I like burped and Too it was kind of gross. Too many sleepy hollows. Too many sleepy hollows. Let's take a break. Hey, Batch. We're back. My numero toi. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, is, um, it's, it's hard for me to word it. Sorry. Understand (laughs) that the good things that you got from Mormonism are not exclusive to Mormonism. Preach. And that includes the feeling, whatever that feeling is of what you called the Holy Ghost. Right. It is right. not exclusive to Mormonism. And right. we, we're programmed to think that because we're, we stand up and we listen to people stand up once a month in fast and testimony meeting and say, I know this is the one true church upon the face right, of the right, earth. Right. I know this church is true. Right. And so it tells us that, uh, you know, you can't feel good things Outside of Mormonism. I don't know if I mentioned this on here before. I feel like I have maybe early in season one. But I I was talking to this um, friend of mine who left. And she said, the thing that I missed, and I was surprised that I missed anything, was singing the hymns. Because they always made me feel so good and, and, you know, tear up in, in a really good way. But then one day I was listening to a Def Leppard song. And have that exact same feeling. <laughs> and right. it was like, that right. couldn't be more perfect. Right, right. Um, so when you, part of untangling, though, is telling yourself when you're like feeling tangled up about it. And you're telling yourself, but I've got, but A, B, and C, those, those were such good things that I got from Mormonism. And I don't want to necessarily leave those behind. You won't be. You don't have to. You won't be leaving those behind yeah. because they are just a part of our human experience. Right. Um, uh, uh, another friend of mine who, when she left the church because she had a uh, transgender child, oh gosh, seven, eight, nine years ago when the transgender story was not nearly as prominent, she was having that internal conversation with herself of, but, but I get all these good things from Mormonism. And then one day it clicked in her head. I can take these things with me and not stay in the religion. Yeah. So, um, few examples. And then I will hear what your numero trois is. Um, for me, it was the Holy ghost. Yeah. And I remember asking a friend who had been gone for many years, 
I was so in the middle of my transitioning out that I said, so how do you feel the Holy Ghost now that you're not in the church? <laughs> I can't believe Adorable. that I asked that. Adorable. So that was like my uh, sacred cow, as it were. But here's the thing. That voice is inside of all of us all the time. Yeah. It's not a special it's not a special ghost that God gives you to tell you it's what to do. It's just our inner self. It's our inner it's self our and gut. it's our instinct and it's our gut. And you will like I told the story earlier tonight, but the Holy Ghost told me to leave the church. And when I told my mom that, when I was in the process of coming out to my parents and telling them I was leaving Mormonism and telling them my marriage was over and all those things, I said, I prayed and the Holy Ghost told me to leave. My mom said, Well, that's impossible. The Holy Ghost would never tell you that. And I said, well, either this time was wrong and all the other times were wrong because the feelings I felt were exactly the same or the Holy Ghost really told me to leave. So either way, I'm leaving. Yeah. Because either the Holy Ghost told me to get out or it was all fake. Yeah. But like that is your that is your instinct and your inner voice and your your energy and whatever whatever you want to call it's it. It's just you. It's you. Oh, it's you, you guiding you, you. you through the universe. A couple other examples are um, this same person that I asked the Holy Ghost question to. She said the thing that I missed about being Mormon was serving others. And then it, it clicked within her one day that, oh, I can I can go out into my community right. and be of service. Right. And so she created ways where she did just that. And the biggest one that I hear from people is is after you leave the church, how do you find a community of like-minded people? Right. Um, and you just will. Yeah. As you get clear on who what your identity is away from the church, your community will start to form around you. I promise right. you. I think I've said this on this podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. But uh, at the at my previous address, when I drove to work every morning, I would pass two churches. The first church I would pass was the Mormon church, and the second church I would pass was some Christian denomination something church. I don't even know what they were. I would drive by the Mormon church every morning on my way to work. It would be locked up, dark, completely empty. And then I would pass this other church that was in a grocery store parking lot. And every time I drove past it, there were pallets of food out front. And there were people coming and they were giving the food out to people. And they were, you know, handing out, you know, whatever. And there was people in and out, regardless of what day of the week it was. Monday, Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. So I would drive by the Mormon church, which is, you know, purportedly the house of God on earth. And it was locked and dark and empty. Yeah. And then I would drive by this other church in a Smith's parking lot. And there would be people out there with drug addicts and with homeless people and with, you know, with like messed up people that were messed up in their head that were, you know, living on the streets and were giving them food. We're giving them a bag of apples and a bag of bread and whatever. Yeah. And it just was so striking to me. And and it, I thought of that when you said your friend was like, well, how can I serve people? Yeah. Like the Mormon church is taking their money and they're building malls. <laughs> they're not, I mean, they do, they do some service, but I read an article once saying that spending a dollar like giving a dollar to the mormon church or spending a dollar at walmart the the dollar you spend at walmart a larger percentage of that dollar goes towards charitable organizations than the dollar that you give freely uh-huh. you don't spend but right. you give freely you to the mormon church less of that money more of the money that you give to walmart when you go to buy like a gallon of milk goes to help charitable organizations than money that you donate to mormon which is crazy because walmart's Fucking evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, what's your number three? So my number three is quit hiding that you're not a member anymore. Oh. And this is so hard, but like there is a feeling when you leave the church, and I know especially like if you're in a marriage because then there's two families involved, there is a feeling of like, well, what if we tell this person like this is going to happen yeah. and like they're going to really freak out and you don't know this person's family and they're so religious and blah, blah, blah. Or my best friends are so Mormon or whatever. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. The people in your lives who are still members are going to have the reactions they're going to have. And some of those reactions are going to be fine and you're going to navigate through them. Like I still have really, really dear friends who are members of the church and we suffered through some awkward conversations and some awkward transitions as I came out of the church. And I have um, some friends that are not my friends anymore after I came out of the church, you know? And I think like those reactions are going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. So just pull the fucking bandaid off and just (laughs) make it all happen. 
I remember for me, so when I first came out, like I had told my family that I wasn't a member and most of my family at the time was still members of the church. Um, now the non-members are winning. But at the time there were more members than there were non-members in my family. I come from a big family. And um, I was very cautious about like, you know, if I had alcohol in the house, I would keep that hidden. And mm-hmm. I would I would think about what I was going to wear when I went to family gatherings. Like if it was the summer, I wasn't going to wear a tank top because I didn't want to like draw attention to the fact that I was wearing a tank top. <laughs> and then <clears throat> November, two years ago, the church came out with a policy, which we've talked about many times oh, on this podcast. it's been four years now. Has it really been four years? Yes. So four years ago, <laughs> the church came out with a policy where they said that gay people were apostates and that the children of gay people could not be baptized and could not serve in the church. And I was like, well, fuck you, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. And I literally that night sent a letter to my bishop. I drove to Target. I bought a wine rack. I installed it in my kitchen. I put my wine bottles out. I got my glasses out. And I just thought, I'm not fucking hiding a thing. Mm -mm. Like, you walked away from me, Mormonism. You told me that I'm no longer welcome there. So I'm not going to pretend to make my Mormon friends and family feel more comfortable that I'm still a member or that I'm still okay with all this or whatever. Like, you fucking drew the line in the sand and said that I'm apostate and that my kids are evil. So fuck you. Fucking bingo, man. So at that point, I was just like, I'm not hiding this anymore. I'm not hiding this anymore. And now I really try to, and I think I kind of probably swung to the other end of the extreme where then I was very aggressive about not being a member of the church. But I think I've kind of settled into a happy middle now. Like I just went on a vacation with my family and like, I was very open about the fact that I was drinking, but I wasn't like rubbing it in anyone's faces. I was like, hey, this is the cooler where I'm keeping all my booze. So (laughs) if you guys don't want to see that, don't open this cooler, you know? But like, I was just like, I'm a grown ass man and I'm on a vacation and we're at a lake and I'm going to fucking be drunk from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. every day because that's what adults do. So quit hiding it. It seems impossible to tell your mother-in-law or to tell your best friend or to tell your whatever but quit hiding it because they're going to find out anyway and they're going to have whatever reaction they're going to have so just quit hiding it and the longer you're hiding it the longer you're tangled and the longer you're giving them permission to see it as this like weird complicated painful thing if you if you if you get to that point where you're just like yeah i'm ordering a glass of wine at dinner like get the fuck over it right then the, then the then the more it forces them to reckon with the fact that like you're an adult and you're making decisions and you're not like catering the way you live your life to them anymore. That is you untangling. Yes, absolutely. Untangle. Oh boy. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. We're ready. <laughs> so my number four is your number three. Oh, okay. And the way I worded it is once you're clear on where you stand as a non-believer. Right. Be clear with those in your life. Yep, 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 And I know that's not easy. Yep. For example, there was a gentle listener who said uh, one of their parents is terminally ill and that She's not okay with ripping that Band-Aid off mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect that. Yeah. That is that is definitely a circumstance that I completely get. Um, but I also think, and I'm not, I don't want to say, I don't know who this gentle listener is, and I'm not trying to tell them how to live their lives, because I think, like, they know that situation better than anybody. Mm-hmm. But my, so I left the church and came out and ended my marriage all in one conversation with my parents. Mm. It was a very emotional conversation. And then like three days later, I had to come down and have the exact same conversation with them again because they had like gone into shock and not remembered everything that I had said. Okay. And then about two years after that, my dad went to bed and then never woke up the next morning because he died. Yeah. And I am so glad that I came out to my dad before he died because I'm so glad that I got to, I mean, on a really personal level, I got to see my dad's response to that. And and my dad was a really wonderful man. And so I got to see, 
I got to see that wonderful side of him as he tried to make sense of this thing that made no sense to him. But on the, but, and the other part of that is I'm so grateful that my dad did not, my dad did not have a false idea of who he was when he died. He knew full well who I was and the life that I was living. Anyway, yeah. I'm not saying that to say to anyone else needs to do the same thing. Everyone knows their own situation, but there was something really powerful about having that honest moment with my dad before mm-hmm. he unexpectedly died. Right. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, I can a little bit because I, I've mentioned on here that my dad has Alzheimer's and I've been very, very clear with my parents where I'm at. Um, but it, here's the thing. While you're still hiding, and again, I'm just speaking generally, hiding even little pieces of yourself from those in your life, your parents, your Mormon neighbors, what have you, but it's usually the family. It's usually the parents and and siblings Siblings and and whatnot. Aunts and uncles. You're still tangled. Yeah. Um, I have friends who feel like when they go to a family thing, they have to wear their garments. Right. That's entanglement. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is not good for you. Right. Um, I have friends who, I, I have one in particular who was like, if I had an Instagram, what kind of things would you say I should post that really describe who I am? And I said, oh, the cocktail that you drink every night because this person has their favorite cocktail. Um, I would say your pour over that you do in the morning because it's like the sacred experience for them right. making their coffee in the morning right. and they live in a place where local coffee is a really big deal and all that. And, and then I went on and said other things that didn't have to do with like word of wisdom things. Yeah. But then this person was like, I could never do it. Yeah. And I said, why? And they said, because cousins and aunts and uncles would see it and it would get back to my parents. And I'm like, but your parents know that you left the church. Right. And this person was like, right, but I still don't want to have to deal with their reactions. Right. And that's where I f- agree with you, Brother Coffee. Rip the fucking Band-Aid yeah. off. Yeah. And 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 it's... Uh, <laughs> does it sound like we're being really judgy? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit it does. Yes. But like, I just, I don't want anyone to feel like we're judging them. But I just feel like we have both gone down this path of like tiptoeing around it and being really careful around it. And then really like forcing people in your life to recognize like, this is who I am. Be clear. If you're comfortable with this, great. Then let's figure out how we can still love each other and care for each other in this way. If you're not, great. But this is still who I am. Yeah. So you got to, so like, we're not going to see each other as much anymore. We're not going to talk about certain things, whatever it is, whatever that looks like in your life. But like, it's like, quit living your life for other people. Live your life for yourself. Those people are going to have that reaction, whether you tell them today or whether you tell them 10 years from now. Oh, yeah. Or whether you tell them 20 years from now. Yes. So just tell them today. And and I was telling... um, a really dear, dear friend of mine who's really on the fence, like smack dab on the fence. And she's making choices that her Mormon parents would be appalled by. Right. And I told her, even if you, be, the types of Mormons that they are. Right. Even if you were fully practicing and believing they would still be really judgy about your choices. Of course, yeah. So, so when you are met with that much judgment because you by like, your quote-unquote loved ones. Because you watch like Grey's Anatomy on a Sunday. <laughs> like that's, like they're like, how dare you, Because Meredith? you drink delicious coffee. Right. Um, they're going to be appalled by who knows what and just let them own, let them own how they react. Yeah, that's... And unentangle yourself from feeling like you have to pretend, from feeling like you have to uh, hide, like when people ask you about your life or where you're going or what you're doing or, um, you know, the, ch- the choice of clothes that you wear, you know. You hate, you hate the idea that you have to go to this, this family picnic on Labor Day because you will have to wear garments or at least wear clothes that look like you're wearing garments and you're going to feel shitty the whole time that you're there. Yeah. Anyway, 
Maybe you enjoy the pretending. I, I don't. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. We leave Mormonism to be more authentic. Right? I think what you, I think one thing you said that is really true is that these people in your lives who are suffering because of the choices you have made <laughs> are choosing that suffering themselves. Oh, yeah. It's all you know, theirs. I, it's not my, for you to own. My mother is very uncomfortable with a lot of decisions in my life. If my mother could wave a magic wand and make me a straight Mormon again, she would in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. And there are times where I feel like, oh, like, I don't want her to suffer anymore. Like, this must be so hard for her. But then I also think, like, no, she's suffering because she chose to suffer. Yeah. Like, I have a really good life. I mean, I don't, I'm not problem free. Like, we all have our own problems. We all have our own challenges. But, like, I'm living a really happy, authentic life. And if she chooses to, like, lay in bed at night and worry about the life that I'm living Mm -hmm. because I want to suck a dick now and then. Right. Like that's her own, that's her own thing. Right. You know, like I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about my kids. We're fine. (laughs) We're doing great. I just think that anytime you put that much energy into other people's lives and choices, you are you're doomed to fail you're doomed to fail yeah you need to just worry about what you're doing with yourself and sister twain and i are both parents so we both understand that dynamic of like worrying about your kids and wanting wanting your kids to make good choices and whatever but it's different when your kids are adults and you're laying in bed you're putting their name on the rolls of the temple because they wore short shorts to the labor day barbecue (laughs) you know like drink an iced tea like that's like that's your own problem so once you're clear where you're at, yes. be clear with those in your life. Yeah. This is disentanglement. Yeah. Go ahead. So my number four mm-hmm. is find yourself a little mentor, a little non-Mormon mentor, mm-hmm. and learn how to like order a drink at a bar. Yeah. And learn how to like go to a coffee shop and not feel like a fool. Um, because like, you know, most of us who are Mormon grew up not touching coffee at all. And so suddenly, like, it's this thing and we have to understand it and what do we like and what do we not like and how do we like it made and whatever. Mm -hmm. And also we grew up not drinking alcohol at all. Mm -hmm. And then you go to a bar and they're like, what what can I get you? And you're like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not a good place to be. No. So find yourself a little non-Mormon Yoda (laughs) who can, like, teach you, like, this is what this tastes like. This is what this tastes like. For me, it was my brother. Yeah. He brought me over to his house. He was like, try a little red wine. Try a little white wine. Here's a beer. This is whiskey. Here's some vodka. (laughs) Here's some mixed drinks. And and his goal was always so that if I was in a bar, because I remember once when we, one of the first times that I went out drinking with my two brothers who aren't Mormons, we went to a bar and the waitress was like, what can I get you? And I was like, oh, I'll just have a beer. And she's like, what kind do you want? (laughs) And I was like, well, I really like something that's like a little like more mellow and it's not as bold in flavor. And my brother's like, he wants a Hefeweizen. And she was like, okay, great. Yes. But like, I didn't know the word Hefeweizen. I didn't know what that was, but that's what I like. I like a Hefeweizen if I'm at a bar. I do too. So you need to find that person that can help you navigate that because I just feel like every newly out Mm non-Mormon needs to have like a go-to drink at a bar that you can say, I want a, you know, a Seagram 7 or a whiskey sour or an old fashioned or something that like, or Moscow Mule or something that you feel comfortable ordering that like, you know, most every bar is going to serve. Yeah. You're going to enjoy it and you don't have to like get into the weeds of like, well, do you like Campari? Do you like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like you can just say like, I want a Seagram seven, like easy. Great. Let's do it. So, um, and same when you go to a coffee shop, I remember one of the first times, well, maybe not the one of the first times, but it was when I was a new coffee drinker and I went to a coffee shop and I ordered a pour over coffee because I thought that was fancier. That's what the fancy people ordered. Now I would just order a brewed coffee because I don't fucking care. (laughs) And I said, oh, can you leave a little room for cream in that? Because I like cream and sugar in my coffee. I still do. I said, can you leave a little room for cream with that? And the, and the coffee shop, the girl at the coffee shop went, oh, 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 this coffee does not marry well with cream. And I was like, oh, of course, of course. I mean, yes, I would. So I got a black pour over coffee that was like $6 that tasted like, you know, buttholes. And I didn't want to drink it. So... You need to have those teachers and those mentors so mm-hmm. that you can go in a coffee shop, you can order what you want, and you feel comfortable, and you know it's going to taste good, yeah. and you know you're going to be happy with it. Yeah. That's all. That's it. Okay. Let's take a break. Okay.
we are untangling ourselves from Mormonism. <laughs> Do you guys still feel tangled? Are you still tangled? It just makes me think of the Disney movie, and I just want to be anti that. The it Disney was movie? Cute. Tang- tangled. It's a great Disney movie. It was. But- I mean, Flynn Rider, he's so great. He's cute. <laughs> and then Mandy Moore plays the princess. Yeah, I know, I know. We all love a Mandy Moore. It's just Disney in general. Mm. Although I love Disneyland. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so what's your number five? What's oh. the fifth way that you can untangle, your- untangle yourself from Mormonism? Um, it's, it's, it's not the last and end-all, be-all, but it is just the one that I thought of. And, and that is gauge the intensity of your emotions. I think that if there are people who are hyper uh, de- depressed, if there are people that are hyper angry, if you feel like you are living in one emotion most of the time, there's some entanglement there. Yeah. And you need to pay attention to that emotion Probably talk to a therapist. Right. Imagine that. Or if you have used therapy in the past and you have some tools in your proverbial toolkit because of your experience with therapy, pull out those tools and work through that heightened emotion because there's clearly something that you're tangled up in. Um, I spoke with a woman who is leaving her marriage of 20 years. She's a nevermo. He's a former Mormon. And she said that the entire 20 years, he has been self-deprecating and lacking in self-worth and I'll never be enough. He'll say the words, I'll never be enough. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm a disappointment. And it, and she knows because she's been married to him for 20 years, that this goes back to the root of all this is, is how he disappointed his parents and his Mormon community for leaving and that disappointment has stayed with him all these years 20 years later Um, and so pay attention to and address whatever heightened emotions you're having because that is telling you there's something that you kind of need to untangle yeah I just want to say something on that regard and then i'll share my fifth one okay. maybe i've already said this on the podcast before i feel like more and more as we make this podcast there will be many we things repeat. that we'll, we'll say have we said this before yeah but there is a scripture in mormonism and i don't remember where it's from but it basically it's kind of that like i don't know that parable of the olive tree or something where it says like a bad tree cannot produce good fruit and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit like by their fruits you shall know them kind of thing which I think, like, is interesting because I think, like, if you apply that logic to Mormonism, then Mormonism is a fucking sham. Because there are so many people in Mormonism who are so damaged and so full of guilt and so full of anxiety and so full of stress mm-hmm. because of Mormonism. Or if you look at the state of Utah, we have one of the highest teen suicide rates of anywhere in the nation. We have one of the highest consumption of pornography rates of anywhere in the nation. We have one of the highest divorce rates of anywhere in the nation. We have one of the highest opioid addictions of anywhere in the nation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you apply that logic and say, well, no, this is the heart of Mormonism. This is where the best and the brightest people are going to be living because a good fruit, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. But when you look around, you see all the bad fruit that that tree has produced. Yeah. And I know what Mormons will say. I I know Mormons will say, well, that's because Satan works extra hard against these people. (laughs) But I just think, like, look at the state and look at what Mormonism has done to it. Yeah. Like, those opioid addictions are direct are directly connected to people's feelings of inferiority and their feelings that their bodies aren't good enough and they mm-hmm. have to go have plastic surgery to fix their bodies yeah. so that even though they had nine kids, they can still have like a tight pussy and perky boobs uh, yeah. for their husband. Oh, yeah. Like, and then they get addicted to painkillers after that surgery. Uh-huh. Like, it is all connected. And we just say, and Mormonism is like, but by their fruits, you shall know them. And I'm like, well, your fruits are all <laughs> rotten. They're all nasty. So therefore, y'all rotten. Nasty fruits. Anyway, my number five is say the word five more tell us why well i just think when you grow up mormon well for me when i grew up mormon i just thought fuck was like oh i just the worst, the worst word of worst. the worst of the worst yeah and and my favorite is when mormons say well i just don't know why these tv writers can't think of a better word to oh say oh my god why do they have to revert to that <laughs> why do they have to i mean if they were good writers they would come up with better words oh to use Oh my god! but here's the fucking truth 
fucking adults say the word fuck all the fucking time. Uh-huh. All the fucking adults that I work with say the word fuck every other word. Yeah. All the fucking adults that I associate with say the word fuck all the fucking time. <laughs> and nobody cares. I say the word fuck around my kids. Uh-huh. I say the word fuck at work. Like my parents would tell us when we were kids, if you said the word fuck at work, you would like lose your job and you would never be hired again. <laughs> You know, and now I sit in a room with my boss and she's like, this is fucking ridiculous. You know, like, because that's a word that grownups use. Yes, it is. Um, And it's not a big deal. I mean, and yes, we all like, I don't say that word in front of like, in front of customers at my work. Or uh I don't say that word in, I don't, I don't use that word direct. I don't like tell the people that report to me at work to like go fuck themselves or something, you know, like, like I'm an adult and I can use that word in the right context and I can know like when it's okay to say it and when it's not okay and when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. Cause that's what adults can do right. is they can hold ideas in their head and they can say, this word is appropriate for me to use right now. This word is not appropriate for me to use right now. So just fucking say fuck some fucking more. The thing about profanity quote unquote profanity and so many other things that we're taught is we think the way we think about, okay, as Mormons, they think the way they think about profanity because it's all they've ever been told that those words are bad. Mm -hmm. And so it just becomes the belief. And so, and on top of the fact that the less they, they hear it, Right. And it's certainly the fact that it's not being said in the homes. Right. When it is said, it's this foreign thing that it's makes powerful. it even more it's powerful. powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I have a friend who um, hadn't completely left the church but was doubting. And this person let themselves say, Fuck. And embraced it almost as an exercise. Really? <laughs> yes. So interesting. And when this person realized that it wasn't that big of a fucking deal anymore, yeah. it, it was extremely freeing. And, and, and also a jumping off point, I think, which is so funny. And I will say too, and I don't know if you had the same, same experience, as soon as I left the church... All of my Mormon friends were like, oh, fucking, yeah, I fucking say fuck all the fucking time. Uh-huh. You know, like suddenly you find out that all the Mormons around you also say fuck. They just didn't say it to you because they thought you were like, you didn't approve of that word. But as soon as you're out of the church, they're like, yeah, these fucking idiots with their fucking fucking fuck on the fucking cunts <laughs> and the fucking fuck. Like suddenly they're saying fuck every other word yeah. because now they know that like you're safe. Mm-hmm. So just start saying fuck more. I love it. I love that piece of advice. Today, one of my kids texted me and said, I think I have a cold. And I texted him back and I said, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, that's what I think about that. I think, yeah. well, fuck, that sucks. I yeah. hope you don't have a cold because exactly. colds suck, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my number five. Say fuck some more. Let's take a break. Fuck. You guys, I wanted to write fuck in the title of that last segment, but then I remembered that we got we were sent to iTunes jail for doing that. You can't do that. To like Apple Podcast jail. You we were. You can't call your segment like fucking fucking the fucker fucks. <laughs> I, I want to. Tim Cook doesn't approve. I want to uh, just go back a teensy bit about how we talked about how. Uh, I, I think I talked about how it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. Yes. But it's then, actually one of mine. But then I said. Um, Gauge the intensity of your emotions. Yes, it's okay. Uh, uh, when I say that, I, I, I when I said that, when I I wasn't saying that it's not okay to feel intense emotions. Right, right, right. It's just recognize when an emotion has become so intense that it seems to 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 go with you wherever you go. Right, um, that that emotion comes from somewhere. Right, it's a signal it's that there's some some uh, an untangling to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those emotions are all valid. Oh, yeah. But that they are probably indicators of something darker or something deeper that you might need to unpick. Not because we want to think you need to stop feeling it. No, no, no. I remember, um, I'm just going to say this and wrap up. I remember, so when I was kind of in the process of like leaving the church, ending my marriage, coming out of the closet, I had my hot therapist. You guys, he was so hot. (laughs) So hot. (laughs) But I remember saying to him, 
that leaving Mormonism felt like unraveling a sweater. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I pulled on one thread, uh-huh. the whole thing just went <laughs> and just unraveled. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like it was going to be so hard mm-hmm. to pull all the pieces apart. And what does this mean? And what does it say about me? And there were still things like after the fact where I had to say like, well, what do I believe in about this? Or what do I, what do I, what do I want my kids to do or my kids to believe in? Like there are still parts where you have to kind of define your own existence, your own morality. Yeah. But there was definitely like once I started picking at those threads, the whole thing just fell apart. And I was just like, oh, there was nothing holding that together. It was all just held together by like <laughs> by like shit and horse <laughs> like like glue and horse shit, as my dad would say. Um, uh, and then f- for my little piece of, of wrapping up here, um, the biggest thing that people, uh, as we've addressed uh, love to point out who are still in the church about ex-Mormons is the anger and the bitterness. Right. Why can't you leave it all alone? Right. We're, we're not consumed by anger and bitterness, but it is, it is okay to have a platform, a safe space, right. wherever you want to say to continue to work through that anger. Yeah. Um, one day it might all be gone. Right. All that anger. Or it might not be. And that's okay too. Yeah. But don't beat yourself up about it. No. That's one thing that I've appreciated about the feedback that we've gotten about this podcast is a lot of people have said, I didn't realize that I need, like this podcast has given my anger a home, (laughs) you know, because, (laughs) because sister Twain and I, as y'all may know, are very frank about the anger that we feel or the pain that we feel towards the church. And Uh I think a lot of post-Mormons want to approach from an intellectual angle or want to approach it from this angle or that angle. But we are very much like, no, we're fucking pissed still. Like I'm still really (laughs) hurt and I'm still really angry. But we're not angry people. And you as ex-Mormons are not angry people. Right. You are people who have anger about a thing. And that anger is fine and is justified and is welcome as long as you need it to be there. Yeah. And when you're ready to let that anger go, you will let it go. But until then, it is your anger and you are allowed to feel it and you uh-huh. are allowed to be pissed and you are allowed to feel betrayed and you are allowed to feel lied to mm-hmm. and whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. And that anger is totally welcome. I think that uh, there are some people, and I think my ex-husband Gary is one of these, that thinks he's not angry, but it's because he's chosen to just suppress a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so when he talks to me, he's just kind of like, why are you so caught up in it? Why are you still so angry? Even him as yeah. an ex-Mormon. And I'm just thinking, I'm just processing, man. Yeah. And, and 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 I think there are people who just choose to just pack it all up in a trunk and shove it in the attic. Right. That's going to work for you for a while, but yeah. not forever. Yeah. So anyway. I literally every year... Right before general conference, which is coming up in like three weeks. Oh, fuck. Fuck me. I always think like, I'm fine. I don't care. I don't care what they say. And then come about Saturday at about 5 p.m. on general conference weekend, I'm in my bedroom like crying and like my hands are shaking and I'm like, fuck these motherfuckers. I'm losing my mind. It's tough. So anyway. It's a tough one. And that's okay. It's okay to feel that anger. We were telling actually Cindy tonight because when, when, when I first got here, you guys were talking about how she wishes she could just move on. Yeah. And we were like, Hey, would we tell you that if you, we were talking to you about an abusive spouse, parent or, or yeah, spouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. would we would just like, can you just get over it? Yeah. Hell no. No, no. Hell no. No. My father was abandoned when he was 18 months old. And then right. the woman that adopted him beat the shit out of him till he was 15. Right. And my mother's rhetoric to my father all these years has been, why can't you get over it? Why can't you get over right. it? Right, 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 Just right. an entire childhood, his first 15 years of life on the planet was absolutely miserable. Um, why can't you just get over just it? Just get over it. Yeah. 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 Not to compare being a Mormon with being an abusive relationship. Like, there are different things, but 
being a Mormon is a form of abuse. I think that the trauma, if you isolate the trauma, yeah, it's, it's the very same. similar. Yeah. yeah, and you would never say, yeah, like you said, you would never say to someone who had been beaten by their parents or beaten by their spouse, like, just get over it. Like, why like, are you so angry at him? Yeah, like, just let it go. We were like, Cindy, you're not you, married to him anymore, so why do you care anymore? Cindy, if you come over here with a black eye a year ago, and you came over here tonight and we're talking about it, we wouldn't be like, oh, you haven't gotten over that yet? Yeah, why, like, why do you care? It's not like you're married to him anymore, so why do you care that he used to punch you in the face? So it's anyway, okay. Yeah. It's okay to be angry. That's the point of, the, of, the, of this. Yes. Of the wrap-up. So we wrote a song called Untangled. Let's sing it together. Okay. Untangled from, from your, your Mormon fucking bullshit. You've got to untangle from that Mormon bullshit. like that song? Wasn't that great? We didn't even practice it. I mean, could you tell? Anyway... So if you're in the process of an untangling, first of all, thanks for wel- thanks for coming back to season two for some fun-filled episodes about fun and hilarity. They keep on coming back. It's like you think this is a funny podcast, but really it's us processing some deep bullshit. Oh, man. We're going to get messages that we made people cry. I hope so. Anyway, I hope you're crying right now. Um, so welcome back to season two. Where can they find us, Sister Twain, if you want to send us some messages about how you cried? Um, so if you if you have the Anchor app, there is a thing on there where you can actually leave us a blurb of your a voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Um, we also have email hot drinks for the belly because we want those hot drinks in our belly. Yeah, hot drinks for the belly at Gmail, and then we have. You guys, I get a heart on every time we get an email. It's so hot. Every time I'm so oh, excited. Yeah. And then it's usually just like, did you know on the Anchor app you can do this? And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, Anchor. No. Uh, just kidding, Anchor. Thanks for being a lovely sponsor. Hot drinks on Instagram, hot drinks on Twitter. Yeah. Um, also, if you want to support us more than just with your well wishes and your thoughts and prayers, you can become a patron of the show, which means you get some extra bonus content every month, like extra episodes, mm-hmm. video, vlogs. You can get gifts in the mail. Um, and you can subscribe to be a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hot drinks. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. <laughs> $1 a month. The cost of a third of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You could help this. Remember those commercials oh, yeah. with Sally Struthers yeah. about just the 75 cents a month could help this the child in Africa. The cost of a cup of coffee. The cost... Because a cup of coffee apparently cost 75 cents back then. Back in the 80s. Or a dollar. Anyway, you're not helping some African children. You're helping Sister Twain and I pay for some alcohol. <laughs> become, a, become a Patreon and support us today. Anyway, yeah. welcome back to season two. We're so glad to have you here. Please tell all your friends. Tell them. It's just funny. I, I, we have friends who are never most who are listening that think yeah. it's great. Yeah. Don't tell my mom, though. She doesn't want to listen. Don't tell Mary Jo Coco. <laughs> I always forget her name is Mary Jo Coco. <laughs> anyway, season two, hot drinks, right up your twaint. Here we are. <laughs> Just get in bed now and jack offy. Yeah. Good night. Bye.